Hey, guess what? It's that time, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, ages, guardians of all ages. It's uh, TGA Unofficial Live. I'm here with my pal Vivica. Vivica, how's things going? It's going, man. It's Friday. So, you know. Yeah. It's always it's always a good day on Friday. Friday is a good day. Uh, I meet with some of my most favorite clients on Friday. Uh, I get to hang out with you today, which is uh, not our usual day. And uh, I get to hang out with my community right after this call. So I am super excited. It's Friday. Having a great day with my grandson, Jasper. And uh, for those of you that are wondering, where's the main attraction? It was uh, Dwayne Moffat was on, on the bill to uh, sit down with us and share some of his insights around his favorite TGA concepts, principles, practices, philosophies, and so forth. Um, and this is an example of uh, us reserving the right to change our mind because Dwayne had uh, picked up a, an electrician gig and uh, needed to go, you know, make that uh, make that dollar to uh, pay the man. And uh, so Vivica and I just decided, well, since um, we're going to have to reschedule Dwayne and looking forward to doing that very much, we're just going to um, we're just going to jam. And uh, if it's okay, Vivica, I'm going to just start off with that. I think it's originally, I, I learned it originally, at least from Dan's book, but this um, idea of, I, I call it living life with the reserve clause. Um, I, I agree, commit to do these things um, until new information, new uh, challenge, you know, unexpected challenges, um, unanticipated opportunities come along. And I then um, reserve the right to change my mind, to change direction, to change my approach, to change whatever. Um, and I, I, when, when Dwayne had to cancel, I, I, I told you that I would love to maybe start there, but um, you know, also totally open to, uh, you know, just discussing any other um, guardian concepts that you, you'd like to bounce around. So, so you say you reserve the right and it's almost like, why do we need to be told that? Yeah. You know, why do we need to be told or reminded that it's okay to change our minds or as new information is introduced and consumed and open looped, right? Or multi looped, however you want to do it. Um, why do we need to be reminded of that? So it's, it's always mind boggling to me when people are like, oh, well, they said this before. Okay, well, they changed their mind and that's okay. It's not a big deal. So, um, yeah, I just always find that to be a little strange. <laughs> well, that's, it's really interesting because, um, I find it, uh, not strange at all because I think, I think we're actually kind of hardwired and, and programmed. Um, and maybe it's more, um, people that look like me than look like you, <laughs> but you know, you commit to do something, you know, I mean, here in the United States, we're like, we're a contractual society. Like we, you know, we, we really believe in, um, you know, informal, informal contracts. Uh, and, but what I totally agree. So I think it's humans acting like humans. Um, For sure. but I totally get it because once you like wrap your head around the fact that how can you possibly know when you agree to do something that it has a, a you know, an extended timeline or, um, that, you know, the completion is, is, is pushed way out in the future. How can you possibly know what's 
what might happen. You don't, you, and you don't have any control over what happens. So, you know, Nick loves to talk about time and randomness, you know, are undefeated. There's Nick right there. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if, if time and random randomness are undefeated in that they do what they do and they don't care what you want, need, dream, or desire, how can you um, put them on your side? And I think that, that this idea of a reserve clause, I, I agree to this. I, uh, I'm going to do this thing until the situation calls for demands um, or provides an opportunity to do something better or do this thing better or, or what have you. So you're going to have to, Vivica, I am so square. I don't even know what the pineapple means. What, what's the pineapple? Okay. I don't but, know. Thank God. Someone I know else. what eggplant means. That's about <laughs> it. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Pineapples let's... in the South mean let's party. It's like a swinger thing. So I don't know. Pineapple, <laughs> when I see that, means, you know, I, I don't, that's what it means I'm here. I'm not sure what it means for Nick, but. Awesome. Uh, I, I, I'm quite sure that you're, you're, you're circling around the truth. So I don't know if anything that I just shared there um, provides any context for um, understanding why, why it's. No, it does. It, it definitely does. It's just funny to me that, you know, and that's usually you hear a lot of that in the context of politicians taking a different stand, you know, from something they said. And sometimes it's just a matter of new information. Sometimes they're just being dirtbags, right? Like it is what it is. But, um, I hear it a lot of times in, in situations like that, but obviously contractually different things, you know, your word is your bond. So I get that. But in general, people shouldn't feel like they can't change their minds or, you know, if they run in a certain group and, you know, they're, they're all kind of, you know, going a certain way, they're allowed to receive other information and, and, and make a different decision or, or have a different outlook. So it's just funny to me that that's, it's, it's big to do, but, um, Go ahead. No, well, I just, you said something that really, I think, deserves to be highlighted because it's, um, you know, something that you and I might think is obvious, but I, I think most of us miss is that, you know, you didn't use this phrasing, but the, giving people the benefit of the doubt, like they changed, you know, you said they changed their mind, like. It's cool. That's, you know, they're playing their game. Let them play their game. That doesn't mean that we can't play our game. We're just going to have to figure out, you know, if we had a relationship with this person or an agreement with this person, we have to figure out uh, a slightly different game plan. But um, there's a, a teaching um, from Stoic philosophy, and I can't remember the exact Epictetus quote, um, but the, the gist of it is, you know, when, when we are when we start to um, create value judgments or pass value judgments about other people, like he broke his word or, um, you know, he's, he's a liar or he, you know, that sort of thing around this idea of the reserve clause. Um, what Epictetus says is, um, you know, people are always doing what they think they need to do. And, and they think that what they are doing is actually what like, right. Like it's the thing that they need to do. And, and to me, that just speaks to this idea of giving the people the benefit of the doubt. Like before you leap to a conclusion about the quality of their character or whether their trustworthiness or honesty or what have you, like maybe there's a really good reason why they're changing their mind, why they're not completing the thing they promised to complete. Uh, 
And why do you have to get spun out about that around, you know, through this ridiculous story that everybody has to do exactly what they say they're going to do. Dan uses a, a great example. I think it's in the book, um, but it was definitely on a broadcast you did with Nick where he's like, if you and I decide to go um, have drinks at, you know, uh, the, the, the speakeasy, you know, bar and grill down the street and we get there at the agreed upon time and day and it's on fire, do we still go in? <laughs> Clearly, well, yes. The situation <laughs> demands that we change our mind. Right. I don't know if you can hear the sirens in the background, but if I disappear, it's because they're finally catching up with me. <laughs> um, no, that that is a good point, though. But it, and that's you know that brings it all full circle, right? Like you're, you're it's okay to change your mind, and there's going to be things that come up that you have to kind of dissect or understand, and then you know a mind is changed or not changed, right? So. Um, I guess, you know, when when you reached out and you said, let's just uh, talk about some guard principles, playing your game obviously keeps coming up as one of the main things that everyone kind of resonates with. And um, obviously we have Bumpers Workshop as well, Monday, I think, uh, session two. So um, how has it been playing your game? You have the book that came out, you're working on your next one. Um, you have your group. How's how's playing your game been working out for for you? Oh, I really appreciate that question. Um, and I'm going to flip it right back at you. But I'll, <laughs> what I'll what I'll say is, so when I I think I think I really kind of first heard play your game in the way that the, we talk about it at TGA again from Dan and rigging the game. Um, cause I kind of collided with that just before I learned about the guardian Academy. Um, but so here's funny story. Um, when I was in the seventh grade, um, you know, when we still had, um, slates and, uh, and a, and a stone to scratch our notes into the slate, um, I, I had, uh, a teacher that had us read the Bhagavad Gita, um, and that book, it's an ancient spiritual text from India. And it's a book about calling. It's a book about vocation. It's a book um, about your sacred duty, your soul's true purpose, whatever, you know, however you frame, um, you know, doing the work kind of that you were like leveraging your gift and applying it to the times that you're in and making, I call it, make the difference only you can make. But, you know, in the seventh grade, <clears throat> when my teacher was telling me that this story, like it's a, it's a book about vocation. It's a book about calling. And I was like, well, what does that mean? And he literally said, it means play your game. And that stuck with me ever since then. So when I recollided with that exact same phrase in Dan's book, I was just like, oh my God, this is like the, the this is life speaking to me because it would like to speak through me. And so my, pre the book I wrote before the coaching business prescription was literally about this. Um, and the book that I'm writing now is like taking that concept to a whole different level because the way that I see it, it's kind of like what we were talking about in terms of the reserve clause. Like it takes some of us 
a long time to wake up to the fact that we don't have to play the game by the rules that have been forced upon us. And, um, you know, the idea that, you know, your word is your bond and all that, that's, that's like, okay, why? Like, why do, why is that a sacred <laughs> vow that we all have to agree to? Um, you know, the game of life for people, especially that are around my age, you know, we wait often, many of us wake up to this idea, the, the, the feeling that, you know, maybe the game of life is actually playing us. Like we've actually been playing a game that we didn't agree to that was forced upon us by institutionalized education and occupation. Um, and we, you know, you can't win a game that you don't want to play. And you certainly can't win a game if you're playing some, someone else's, you know, game. And, but when you think about, even if you wake up to that idea at an earlier age, you, you're, you've got some conditioning to overcome. And that conditioning is, is building on programming that goes back, you know, to when our knuckles were, were still dragging on the ground. I mean, there's, you know, this um, need for safety and belonging, which, you know, are, are obviously existential needs that we need to pay attention to. But, um, and I don't think, I'm not like a conspiracy theorist around this, but most of our institutions um, leverage that programming to condition us to to conform and to do to follow follow a roadmap that takes us where everyone else is going and that's you can't get you can't get to where you're meant to be if you're following every, someone else's path or everybody else's path and so i've been thinking about this a lot as i've been starting to just outline this this new book um which I'm calling stepping into possibility. Uh, and, you know, first you have to wake up to the fact that you're playing a game that you didn't sign up for. You're, you know, you wake up to the fact that life is the game of life is playing you. And then how do you, um, how, how do you define you, your game and how do you set your goalposts is the, the middle part. And then, the third part is how do you and part so phrasing that I've heard Dan use is play your game on your terms without compromise to which I have added all in and full out. And I stole most of that from my friend, Stephen Cope, who, who is a, an authority on the Bhagavad Gita. Um, and it's just a man, it's a manual of philosoph philosophical ideas and principles and practices that will help, help everyone that reads it find their way to play their game and do it on their terms without compromise all in and full out um, and not need the external instruction and validation that we are taught to pay attention to, but to, you know, follow an internal compass and trust themselves uh, and have faith that they can figure it out as they go. I love that. I love that. And I read that book when I was 23. Oh, wow. And um, I was I was going through something. I was just like reading about all these different religions and I was going down all these rabbit holes. And I remember reading that book. I read um, I read some Kabbalah. I read just like, oh, you know, Taoism, Taoism, like a bunch of different things. Buddhism resonated the most for me. Um, but it is a great book. 
I'm glad I read it when I was 23 and not in high school or like middle school or something. I think I was in a better kind of place to receive it. Mm-hmm. Um, it did pivot me at that time to to change kind of directions of what I was doing, which was good. Um, which if I think about now, probably got me to what, what I'm doing now even. So that's that's a thanks for bringing that up because I didn't even think about it like that. But um, okay, so so playing your game in and of itself has benefited you, obviously. Okay. And I think what you're, what, something that you were touching on was like, you know, the, the, the life is playing us. What did you say? Or the, the game, game of is, life is playing us instead of the other love way. That. Love yeah. that. So it kind of reminds me of when we were talking to Courtney and we were mentioning unlearning, mm. right? Like, so we have to kind of get to a place where we're unlearning first and foremost, probably before we can, move forward. So yeah, that, that kind of just brought that up for me, but I love that. I think playing your game for me has been, I think it's been great. And I feel like I've kind of been trying to do what I want to do this whole time anyway, but it was always at certain times maybe cloaked and like, yeah, this is what I want to do, but it really wasn't what I wanted to do. I just felt like I had the skill set or I could do it. So I was doing it. Um, which obviously led me down to this whole coding trading different situation I'm in now. And um, as I'm sitting here and I was speaking to my wife about this too, I was like, maybe playing my game for me, isn't running my own business or something. Maybe it is working for someone. So I don't have to stress so that I can go do the other things so that I have capacity. So right now my capacity is like, you know, I get to the point where I just don't have the time. So what ends up falling by the wayside is content creation, social media, that always gets pushed aside. And then everyone's like, no, that's what you have to do. It's like, I don't have time. So I guess for me playing my game, I'm still working on it. It's, you know, something that I'll be doing for a bit now. But, um, but yeah, I'm kind of struggling with the consistency of, of the, of the things, right? The social media, like you're, you're all over the place. You're doing video, you're posting And I'm like, man, I don't know how this guy has time. Like I can't, I don't know if that needs to be part of playing my game or if that's just, once again, me trying to just do the things. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, do, do you mind if we, we, we do a little pivot? Hot seat, and, hot, hot seat me. Yeah. Let, I'd love to <laughs> put on my coaching hat for a minute. So um, I, I really appreciate the generosity and vulnerability of sharing. Like maybe I need to get myself a job so that I can not stress about, my, the next my the next contract or the next deal or the right. next yeah I totally get that I've been actually in a very similar place recently because you know as much as I you know I've been a freelancer since I was 25 I, I haven't had a you know I always when I when I quit my last regular gig I said if you're gonna work for a jerk you might as well work for yourself um, turns out that you don't have to actually be a jerk right 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 <laughs> it took me a long time to learn that but um so I think, you know, and, and sometimes people like you and I that, you know, have experienced the, you know, what it feels like to play our game and be our own boss and all that. It's, there's a little bit of guilt and shame, like about even thinking about like getting, like, am I, am I selling out? Am I giving up? Am I giving in? I, the way that I think about it is there's nothing wrong with doing the work you have to do to make a living. Please don't 
you know, do something that doesn't suck the soul out of your body and do something that doesn't tax your attention, your effort, your energy, um, you know, do something that lets you take the pressure off the paying of the bills that leaves you plenty of time to do the work that you get to do. And I've micro stepped my way through this really recently where, you know, when I, I had a very successful career as a musician and a guitar studio owner. And when I wanted to pivot into, I didn't even know what it was. You know, I had that moment where I was like, burn the boats, I'll go all in and I'll figure it out. And I was like, nah, that would be stupid. I've got kids, I've got a wife, I've got a house. Um, and so, but I really lucked out because I picked up um, a, a contract working for Seth Godin at Akimba Workshops. And that literally paid like that, that paid enough of the bills. I was, I could say, okay, I'm going to give up the performing. I don't have to gig every weekend. I'll just keep the studio and I'll keep, and I'll figure out what I'm really going to do while I'm doing this thing for someone else. And that was an extraordinary opportunity. I grew so much, so much from that experience. It's what like helped me learn that I'm, I'm a great coach. I should be a coach. And then when my coaching business took off to the point where I could say, it's time for me to say thank you and goodbye to Akimbo. I was able to, you know, close the studio and then walk away from Akimbo and go all in. And then time and randomness happen. And sometimes, you know, some months are not as good as others. And I get it. Um, in terms of what do you, what are you supposed to do? Don't suppose yourself about anything. <laughs> what, what do you want and what, and then reason from first principles. What are the things that I have to do to get what I want? And, you know, the coaching business prescription is a book about this for, for people like you and I. It's like, in order to make a living as a freelancer, coach, solopreneur, or creative, you need to have an offer that is irresistible, an audience that is engaged and interested, and a a 30 minute a day sales strategy that puts that offer in front of that audience. And when I say irresistible offer and um, interested audience, I mean, irresistible enough, interested enough, good enough sales strategy to get that offer in front of those people. And now you're in, into um, system reliability. Like, do you have to have Instagram? I don't know. Maybe you can, you know, try it. If it's not paying dividends, then why would you keep doing it? Like right. that's the first thing I do with my clients is let's audit where all where all the time, attention, and money is being spent right now. And ninety percent of the time, we we can get rid of eighty percent of the expenses, and that's revenue that goes right to their bottom line. And then we have three things like now it's what's the goal. And I like Laurel's approach of like, what's the 90 day goal? What's, what's the data that we're going to collect and assess at the end of that 90 days so that we can raise the floor on whichever component of the system needs raising the floor. So, um, you know, my assertion to you would be, um, you, you don't need to be everywhere all at once on social media. And if you're going to do that, the reason why you think I'm everywhere is I do one thing <laughs> and then I, repurpose it, slice and dice it and repurpose it. Uh, you know, it's, it's literally 
like I can do a broadcast. I can immediately be on five platforms. I can repurpose the audio to five different podcasting platforms. I can take the last um, thing that my guest says and turn it into a blog post and a YouTube video for more, you know, more reach. Um, and then I can send it to my email list. I mean, I get like 12, 12 hits from a single piece of content that took me 30 minutes to record. And it looks like I'm everywhere, but I'm not everywhere. And most, most everyone is not seeing it except on one of the platforms if they see it at all. So it's, it's not as hard. Um, and it's not as effortful as you think. I got another, I'm going to give myself a, a couple weeks to get real, like more clarity. Cause like the thought of me even getting a W2 or, or getting a job, right. Is ridiculous, you know, <laughs> but on the other hand, it's like, man, but the stress level can kind of come down a little bit. The capacity can kind of go up. Um, so I'm toggling between a W2 employees are the highest taxed, right. There, there's just a lot, there's just a lot that goes into like hopping on someone's payroll. Um, my 1.30 appointment canceled today, right? So I'm like, I'm going to the lake. I'm going to go yeah. hang out, right? Like, I'm I'm good. Good week. I'm done for the week. I'm going to take off the rest of the afternoon. So there's 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 a lot of pluses to, to playing your game and doing your own thing. But it did give me a different kind of, like, well, maybe playing my game is just hopping on the W-2, not stressing about um, the income needed, and then having the extra time to do the other things. Um, and again, that comes from me coding and, and trading and stuff. It's like, if I can find a gig Pacific time, now it's best of both worlds. I can trade the open, get the nine, you know what I mean? But then, you know, the coding also shows me like, wow, this can scale. You know, do I really just put the time into this? So gotta do, I got to do a lot. I got to leave some loops open. And yeah. then weigh some pros and cons um, about it. And someone reached out to me that has a startup um, they're working on and they want me to, they want to meet with me next week. So I know that might turn into like, hey, why don't you help me do this, this, and this. So there's opportunities um, around that might suggest like I might have to either jump on a W-2 or at least do a a longer term contract position, which is fine too. But um, I enjoy it all. I don't, it is what it is. Yeah, well, it's, we forget that play your game has the word play in it and games are supposed to be fun, but it depends on what kind of game you're playing. If you're playing the finite game of life that we're taught in order for you to win, everyone else has to lose. It's a game based on scarcity and urgency and competition You know, James Curse's infinite game approach is the point of the game is to keep playing and to include as many other people in the game and keep them playing as well. And it's not about competition. It's about collaboration. And it's actually about, you know, having fun and enjoying the process. And we know the process is the shortcut, but the process is always also (laughs) the reward, the intention and integrity that you bring to the process is intrinsically a war a reward in and of itself that's all you actually get is the quality of your effort 
you can be the most talented, extraordinary, skilled, intelligent person on the planet in your domain, and you can um, you can you know end up living under a bridge uh, <laughs> in a cardboard box. I mean, that's time and randomness, right? So, I, I the other thing, you know, in terms of TGA principles, that might you know, like how can you micro step into this? Like how can you test the waters? You know, how how can you um, test a long-term contract idea um, and see if, if, if it's viable, if it's, you know, people have interest, uh, if people are willing to invest. Um, the other thing that I've been thinking about recently too is like being more um, discerning and discriminating about your, like, who are you actually targeting? MKPs, bumpers is a big one for me. Yeah. PGA principles, MKPs is a big one. I will not waste my time. (laughs) That is one of my biggest pet peeves is just like wasting my time on, you know, people who don't want to do the work. So a lot of times, you know, going into a business that's struggling, they need to make changes. And um, some of them will be gung ho about making changes or, they want to fix this, that, but when you actually have to say, okay, this is the changes that need to be, oh, no, no, we've always, this, no, this is how I'm used to, you know, and it's like, well, then you're not being receptive and you really aren't willing to, you know, make the changes and do the work, move on, right, because yeah. you're not going to be able to help them or getting to a place where some of them do make some changes and they do see like, oh, okay, now we're in the green or now we're making more money or now we're, and then it's like, well, here's the next biggest change and it's like, mm, now you've reached that one hurdle that's just too high. They can't do that one anymore. Like, it's just so you've come to that place, right, where, you know, you have to move on. So, yeah, MKPs and, and, and stuff like that is – that's one of the best, I think, principles that I've gotten out of out of Nick and, and Bumpers and TGA. Well, that, that that's a great point. And, that, again, it's humans acting like humans. Dopamine, you know, can can ruin a person. And when we say – like that's what happens in the guru world. Like you sign up for the guru's program and it feels like you actually, like you, all you did is set a goal, but you, it feels like you actually achieved a goal. And so you don't complete the program. Right. Saying that you're going to do it is as good as in our minds is the same as having it done. And, you know, our, we have to bring our consciousness into it, but, Along those same lines, just two other things that I think about and encourage in my clients is, you know, if you're, if you're needing, you know, if you're needing immediate business, then go find the people that are problem aware, solution aware, have their credit card out, and they're just trying to pick which solution and make, you know, and, and if you are a, a best fit, then you you have to demonstrate that positioning. Um, but, um, you know, I, it, it, I think about this in terms of, I, you know, for many years, I was getting a, a ton of business from my f- people that col- had worked with me at Akimbo. But those are people that bought an online course, probably didn't finish it. Scott was a really nice guy. He seems to have his stuff together. I'll hire him and then 
you know, some of those people, like I was on a call earlier today with my favorite client. She's been with me for three years. She started and I, she actually said this on the call. She was like, this is why I've succeeded working with you. I do what you tell me to do. I implement what you, sh you know, your, your insights right away. And she has, I mean, I can't even tell you what she, the transformation she was selling, having trouble selling a hundred dollar an hour coaching program. And now she's working with professional sports franchises. Nice. Nice. You know, bigger contracts. So, um, but that's the, but how do you, how do you identify the people that are ready to buy and are ready to do the work? And that's, you can, you can build that into your, um, your content so that, you know, there's a two step that requires them to do something before they get the next thing. Right. Or there's, um, you know, I, I have it in my um, questionnaire for people that want to jump on a uh, discovery call. It's like, how committed are you to, right. you know, which, what, what program are you interested? How committed are you to putting yourself on the hook, showing up for every session and doing the work? And they have to answer that question in a strong affirmative if, if they're even going to get on the phone with me. If they're not going to get on the phone with me, I got tons of content for you if you're stuck in humble hiding tired, yeah i got you so but you can you can build that some of that into your system so that you can kind of vet prospects before they before you even get on a call to, to talk are they before yeah no that makes sense i have i do have questionnaires that you know even for real estate leads like you would be surprised how many real estate leads that come in that are incomplete or people it's like I need your phone number. <laughs> like I at least need your phone number. Right. Or like the town. Right. So there, I do have some screening processes. Like if, and if they don't fill it out and complete, they don't get a call. I don't have time for it. Like if you're a serious player, you're going to fill out the form. If you can't fill out the form, you already proved that we're not going to work. Out. So right. I, I think that's a great, I got to work on my spider web. I think you did a good job of, of setting that up. So I got to work on my spider web. I know Nick's um, shared a, a good bit of information on that, but um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, the spider web has been a game changer for me because um, the, the center of my spider web is my sub stack and I have enough subscribers and, and founding members and annual subscriptions to actually generate some meaningful recurring income like i nice. i'm gonna write and do all that stuff anyways why wouldn't i put it somewhere where some if if someone wants to give me a nice hug you know they can they can float me nine bucks a month or you know pay 200 bucks to to be a founder or what have you um and yeah i think the the, the recapture reallocate is always a place to kind of start. Like where, where am I spending my time? Where am I putting my attention and where am I spending my money? Um, and how, how do I clear all the cruft? I call it pruning. Like how do I prune all the things that aren't generating uh, uh, any ROI, never mind, or, or uh, uh, commend, you know, an ROI that's commensurate with the amount of 
right. time, attention, or revenue that I'm spending on it. Um, and and that will help you define like what are the three things that I have to get right enough to more consistently um, keep my pipeline filled and you know allow me to reach a, a minimum monthly revenue figure you know that I can that I can live with and whether you decide to go with the security which is of course a false sense of security right. working for sure. um, or not you'll build something stronger and more anti and more anti-fragile and more resilient um, by just focusing on the the, the the few things that you, the, the essential things that you need to, um, and ignore, uh, all the other stuff that's really just a distraction. And, um, you know, the, uh, the, uh, um, you know, an unconscious pursuit of more that's actually getting you further away from what you want. For sure. That's another lesson, right? Closer versus more. I'm like, I'm happier doing so much less this year than the, the year before. <laughs> It, it's you know more is not better it, it just really isn't so well and how can you uh, i'll share one last thing and that is you know i was sharing this with my client this morning um you know i read a version of bumpers that's so i the current version of bumpers is so amazing it's so well written and it shares anecdotes and um and it's just it's fantastic i read an earlier version where i was like this is hard, like painful to read, but the ideas are so brilliant. I can't stop reading. The last idea was, um, and I don't remember if it's the last idea in the current version, but the last idea was, um, looking at like uh, looking at your week and, you know, and because what was happening was we were going to start providing daycare for our grandson and I was working 10 hours a day. And I couldn't work 10 hours a day and take care of my grandson. So I, I literally blocked out my calendar. So it was five days a week, two hours in the morning, five to seven, uh, taking care of my grandson, seven to noon. And then noon to five is flex time. If, if I have a client call, I'm on a client call. If I don't have a client call, I'm with my wife and my grandson. Um, that created a forcing function that, that before I even knew about system reliability, forced me to get rid of all the BS that wasn't doing me any good. And I went literally from a 10 hour work day, seven days a week, if I'm honest, to a two hour work day, five days a week, and allowed me to, to actually raise my monthly revenue. Figure it's amazing. On a consistent basis. It's amazing. It's like time blocking. I, I do some time blocking and people are like, how do you get all this stuff done? It's like you time block. So you plan it out, you know, a lot of times your time blocks are just the way they are every week. Like yours are probably consistent or the same. Sometimes there's a little bit of flex, but for the most part, time blocking allows you to do so many, you know, so much stuff. And like you said, you're able to work less, but make more money. Um, it's, it's huge. Pomodoro is another um, time management scheduling technique that some people could do where it's 25 minute kind of hyper-focus, five, 10 minute break, another 25 minute block, hyper-focus, five minute break. So those are those are two huge time management things that I that I love. <laughs> yeah, well, same. I and play your game around those. Like what in my, we do a, a Pomodoro thing every Wednesday in my community, and 
like we just decided like 25 on five off is not really working for us. We're going to do 55, like five minutes off, five minutes of, you know, BSing, 55 minutes of work, five minutes of BSing, 55 minutes of work. And that, that works better, you know, for the, the, the group that we have. And so, um, yeah, you know, play your game is a, a, a really powerful idea, but it's also kind of easy to just pay lip service to, like it can become just this trite thing that we say to each other. It's, it's harder mm-hmm. to live. And so it's, um, to your point, it's about like 95% of what you say and do is what you said and did yesterday because we operate on an unconscious, we're just unconsciously repeating patterns. And sometimes, you know, the pattern is interrupted for us and we get to see, you know, the error of our ways or see that there might be better ways of accomplishing what we want to accomplish. But we can also, um, we can create those pattern interrupts where we can say, you know, every quarter I'm going to revisit my schedule. Every quarter I'm going to do a recapture and reallocate to see what, you know, what expenses have creeped in that I, you know, didn't think about in the moment I clicked the, you know, free trial button on right, right, right. the music app and the meditation app. <laughs> I'm billed, yeah, now I'm getting billed from who knows where. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, I find ones that I don't even remember that I did. Right. Time, so, yeah, I love it. Well, this was a really um, extraordinary conversation. Dwayne popped by to say hi while well, he's pulling wire, wherever he's pulling wire. Um, so there he is. Hey, Dwayne, we'll talk to you uh, real soon about um, getting you back on. And uh, yeah, Vivica, this was uh, this was awesome. Thanks for your generosity. And, and for sure. Uh, Appreciate you. All right. All right, man.